Welcome to the Optimum Podcast. I'm Coach P. I'm Coach K. And here we are with another great episode for you today. Today went well, Coach. I think it did. I think it did, despite all the uh, chaos. Oh, dear God. Let, let's stop on that for like 10 seconds. So okay? right now when we're recording this, this is uh, March 16th. So, uh, you know, we're, we're what, right, pending a, a lockdown potentially. Right at the beginning of the, the worst is to come. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I am a little nervous. But at the same time, we can only control what we can. Uh, and it's just, you know, the, the last time I felt like this was 9-11. You know, do you remember when that happened? I do. Uh, and that, that was a scary time. And we're, Kyle and I aren't here to say, oh, we're about to talk about the coronavirus. We're going to do Plenty of people of that. doing that. Uh, there's, there's enough qualified individuals uh, taking care of that right now. But what Coach and I can say to you is do your part. Be responsible, all right? Don't be a uh, dumbass. Don't be a dumbass. Like, I, I do see people out there saying, well, the flu is worse than coronavirus. No, okay, they're, they're all bad. All yes, right? yes. Uh, there's, yeah, there, there's a lot more to it. The whole that. trouble of coronavirus um, is it's new, okay? A lot of, we don't understand a lot of it. We don't have ways of preventing it yet. So do your part. A, first of all, stay calm, chill. You know, this is, it's going to be okay, but we got to work together and we got to do our part here. Um, so do what the CDC says, you know, you know, do what you can, keep your family safe, you know, don't go out and hoard fucking toilet paper. Like, you know, just mm. be smart, continue going after your goals. Just because stuff is going on now does not mean you cannot continue to work for your vision. Exactly. Uh, so continue to push that. So what Kyle and I are going to focus on is continue to bring you best in entertainment and provide you education with <laughs> what we do best, fitness and exercise science. The best in entertainment. I, you did say that. We are good in entertainment. I'm not oh, I don't know if we're good. But <laughs> we entertain each other. It's all the fucking matters. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about programming. Programming. And we're not talking about computer programming, although that would be cool. Uh, we are talking about exercise programming. Why do we do it and what is in it for you? And there's a lot in it for you because too many times do I see people spinning their wheels for sometimes years and not making the real progress that they could be making in the gym. And it all stems from you having a program. Definition of insanity. Three, two, one. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> you know, I will say honestly, for the longest time, it took me to finally fess up to myself that I was doing something wrong in the gym. And the biggest thing that I was doing wrong is, why am I not making progress? Why is it that I've been doing the same shit year after year and not really changing anything? Because you're a piece of shit. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no, uh, I wouldn't go that far either. Um, yeah, I agree. You know what? Uh, you know, I'm going to start off with, I was going to save this story for later, but there's a guy who used to train at the, the gym that I grew up in, right? It was called Pro Fitness. And obviously, I'm not going to name this guy, but if, uh, if you went to the gym with me there, you know this guy. He would come in every single day. And he would do the same workout. He would, you know, go through the same routine day in, day out. And, uh, you know, we were a bunch of powerlifters and bodybuilders down there. And one day he's like, why, why am I staying the same? Like, why can't I change? I'm like, well, uh, whatever your name was. <laughs> Phyllis. Phyllis. <laughs> uh, well, Phyllis, you do the exact same thing. You, you don't increase uh, your weight. You don't increase the reps. You don't change the exercises. You do the exact same routine. And... Really, uh, you know what, is, is now a good time to even just bring up the said principle because I feel like we just might as well throw that out. Get into it. Uh, so there's a, there's this thing called the said principle. And, oops, or the principle. Whoa. Dropping stuff. Um, <laughs> the principle of specificity. Uh, basically, basically, your body's going to adapt basically to whatever you do to it. So however you train is however you adapt. In other words, in broad strokes terms, we're, we're saying if I run a lot, 
I'm not going to have a max squat of 600 pounds. That's not going to fucking happen. Nope. So if I continuously put 135 on the bench press and just do that for 10 times, three sets of 10, five days a week, guess what? I'm really good at that, but I suck at pretty much anything else. And then you could go the vice versa side of that coin as well. If I'm training nonstop as a power lifter, getting my strength really, really high on all the major lifts, I'm going to do really, really poorly at cardiovascular training. If exactly. that's not incorporated into my programming somehow, uh, which we can talk about a little later. But basically, sad principle, specific adaptation to impose demands. Your body is going to adapt to whatever stress you place upon it in a specific way. That's what I said. I know. You get it? <laughs> <laughs> I get you. <laughs> Funny. We need, we need humor in a time like this. Um, and the reason why we're talking about this today, y'all, is because programming is not only an important piece of the puzzle, it is absolutely vital to your success in fitness. doesn't absolutely. matter if you have strength goals or nutrition goals. In some form of fashion, you need to track, you need to have order, and you need to have a process with everything. So we're going to touch upon the basics on programming here today, go step by step, and the importance of how to set up and various aspects of. So let's first start with the acute training variables, my friend Kyle. So acute training variables, basically these are the things or variables in which we control what we do in the gym. So traditionally, right, we do three sets of 10 on bench press and we call it good, right? So three sets is one of the variables, right? How many sets um, or, or I guess accumulation of repetitions. Repetition is one complete round of, uh, of, a, of a movement, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so three sets of 10 on bench press, perfect. Now there's other acute variables, right? Or is that all? No, we have many. We have many. So things like how long did I rest in between? If I rest a short amount of time versus a long amount of time, that's going to change the adaptation that I'm going to elicit from this type of training. Um, in addition, what's the load, right? If if I can bench press 405, but I'm only using 135, am I really going to increase my max strength going at 135? No. Why, why would I, right? Or if I could run, uh, for, for our runner running listeners, if I can run 10 miles, no problem, but all I do right now is run two miles, I'm not really building my long duration endurance there. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, what, what was one? Of, what was the first one? Did you, did you say volume or intensity? What was the first one? You, you I didn't even say volume or intensity. You didn't yet. say no, either. I no, didn't get okay. there yet. I was <laughs> drinking my coffee. Uh, <laughs> Clearly, you don't even fucking listen to the podcast when we're making the podcast. No, I swear <laughs> to God, I'm listening. Yeah, anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> Coronavirus. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> that was terrible. Um, just feeling the heat. Anyway, uh, are you sick? I am not sick. I, are you sure? I am pretty sure. Maybe we should do this a remote because I don't know if I want to be in the same <laughs> room as you right now. All right. Anyway, jokes aside. Jokes aside. Jokes aside. Um, volume, volume, and intensity. Right? Is that are probably the two most important of all the acute training. And what is volume? Volume is the over um, total amount of work I'm doing. So. Total reps, total sets, all put together. How much total work am I doing? So three sets of 10, 30 reps. Three sets of 10, 30 reps, okay, at whatever load, okay? You could say add all three together. Intensity is how hard or how much weight I'm lifting. If I'm measuring that in strength training, it's the percent of my one RM Mm -hmm. or my one repetition maximum. So if you guys see, you know, most hypertrophy bodybuilding style training is anywhere from 55 to 75% of my one RM, sometimes as high as 85. True strength training is anywhere from 85% up to 100% of my one repetition maximum and so on and so forth. Which is right where power training is well. Yep. 
And then for endurance, if I'm talking about, or if I'm doing cardiovascular activity, how fast am I going? So miles per hour or revolutions per minute, so on and so forth. So, or, or heart rate. Or heart rate. Um, heart rate's a really, it's a, it's a nice one to use for intensity uh, because it's, it is, it does correlate to a lot of different physiological functions in the body. Um, and it's actually pretty easy to measure. You can get your heart rate monitor, like a Polar H10, which I have, um, or you can use the ones on your wrist. Um, I mean, the Fitbit, the, the Apple Watch, they're all relatively accurate with about 90%. Mm-hmm. Uh, a chest strap is going to be significantly more. You're going to see that used in research labs uh, quite a bit, like the Polar H10. That's actually what we Polar use. Polar HR is the best, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Crap, forgot I was going with that. Oh, but anyway, that's how that's another way you can measure intensity. Yep. Uh, another cute training variable we track often is the modality. So what type of exercise are you doing? Are you doing free weights? Are you doing barbell-based training? Are you doing power explosive training? Uh, are you doing Olympic weightlifting? Uh, are you using machines? So on and so forth. What is the modality? A lot of different things, yeah. Um, which really gives you, if you guys are starting to catch on to this so far, there's many tools in the toolbox of programming. Absolutely. You just have to be intuitive with how you're using them together. And then the most important one is at the end of the list of acute training variables. And uh, remind me if I've forgotten, if I've forgotten any of them, Kyle, but progression. Progression, yeah. Progression is the absolute most important piece here. So the principle of overload, if you're not placing a stress onto your body, that's enough for it to cause you to push yourself out of your comfort zone or out of homeostasis, you're not going to grow. You're not going to adapt. So going back to the example of Phyllis, right, in the Mm -hmm. gym that I gave earlier uh, a couple minutes ago, (laughs) Phyllis was, you know, let's say he was bench pressing 135 consistently on on the bench press. Um, If he were to put 155 and do the same amount of volume, that would be the principle of overload. He would be stressing his system beyond what it normally is used to. Uh, And that is basically how we force the body to adapt, right? Specific adaptations to the imposed demand. If the demand is higher, our body is going to adapt to that higher demand. If our if demand stays the same or goes lower, our body adapts to that. Correct. And all together, you have to use these pieces in a fashion and you have to track them over time in a program to deliver the best results to either yourself or your client when it comes to being a fitness professional or working towards whatever your fitness goals are. So, so an example of how this wouldn't work, you know, aside from, you know, Phyllis, uh, let's just say someone who's just, they go, they go into the gym, you know what, today, I feel like it's arm day. I'm going to do arms. They take the next two days off. I, you know what, today's, today's, uh, it's arm day again. And they just do arm day. Or, or, or maybe, maybe it doesn't have to be something as ridiculous as that. It could be, hey, you know what, I'm going to do some, I'm going to lift really heavy today. And then, um. Then I don't know what do they do. They decide to run two miles uh, three days from now, and then they don't do anything for a week and a half, and then they get back in there, and then they do three solid days straight of high intensity interval training because <laughs> that's the new thing to do, and then um, and then they take another seven days off or eight weeks or whatever. And there's just no rhyme or reason to no. what the fuck. Now, in doing. the grand scheme of that, that is def- by definition called exercise. Yes. Which which is good. For some people, that's great. Okay. That's good. But don't expect to achieve great progress that way. That's yeah, that's I think that's the big point. There's like if you did that and you're just kind of just playing around, doing some exercise, you're moving around, you're, you're breaking to sweat, you're you're getting your 150 minutes a week of, of actual uh, you know uh, moderate moderate intensity exercise, awesome. But you're not going to turn an Arnold. You're not going to be Eddie Hall. You're not going to be Lance Armstrong. Nope. You're not going to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. If you have specific goals for weight loss and or strength training, if you don't have that organization or that programming in place, you're significantly hindering your results by far. 
Um, and one of the biggest reasons is so many people spin their wheels. Even if they think they're getting into the gym to get big or get stronger, if they're not tracking their weights in any form of fashion or the total amount of volume or the intensity, one of two things is going to happen. A, you might make a little bit of results in the beginning, because you, especially if you're new, because you're going to grow from anything when you're mm -hmm. new. Or you're going to be spinning your wheels constantly and never actually knowing how what kind of progress you could have made had you actually been on a true program. And there are ways to organize your programs in what we're about to talk about next. So, so think about programming as almost like a GPS from getting point A to point B. If you don't plug the, the address in the GPS where you don't know where you're going and you get in your car and you just drive I around. I like that analogy. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Uh, you just drive around. You make left turns, <laughs> make right turns. You go in the roundabout, get stuck in there for a few times, you know, whatever. Um, you don't really get anywhere. Like, yeah, you're moving around, but where the fuck are you going? You yeah. don't even know, you right? You don't even know. Uh, so you need a GPS. You need a roadmap on how to get to from where you are to where you want to be. And so the way we're going to talk about this first is we've got to lay some groundwork for the science behind programming with a simple word called <gasps> periodization. And periodization is a simple term that we use to organize your workout training into particular phases where we manipulate the training variables over time. There are multiple types of periodizations, such as linear, reverse linear, or undulating. And these periodizations have within them particular phases we call microcycles or mesocycles. Mesocycles last anywhere from a month to three months, and microcycles can last anywhere from one week up towards one month or so. And when you're literally sitting down designing your programs, you can literally design an entire year worth of your programming. It's sometimes, I think it's the most fun and tough stuff to do in the world. Oh, it is. Because you can have put so much creativity into how you manipulate the variables towards whatever goals you're trying to achieve. And when you actually have this rhyme or reason, you know exactly what the intensity should be on a particular day. You should know how your volume is gonna be tracking over the course of anywhere from four weeks to three months. And you can really see the trajectory of where your progress should go if you follow everything correctly for whatever goal you're specifically trying to achieve. So for instance, if we were to design a linear periodization, mm -hmm. linear periodization is usually as defined as Volumes, uh, intensity starts uh, low and volume starts high. And then over time, intensity will rise over the course of time, which means you would add weight on the bar consistently every time you hit your target rep range on particular exercises. You can, you can apply linear periodization rules to any type of modality, whether, Absolutely. You, whether you're doing cardiovascular training, Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, starting strength, whatever it is that you're doing, they all employ these linear periodization methods. If I'm doing reverse linear periodization, it's the opposite. I start at very high intensity mm -hmm. and then make my way down and approach higher levels of volume. When it comes to what has been seen in the research, undulating periodization seems to be the most effective and what is undulating? for, for uh, improving progress in individuals, whether your goals are strength or hypertrophy. Undulating hypertrophy is where I vary the intensity from day to day. So for instance, where linear periodization has a steady increase over time of intensity, I vary it during the week with undulating periodization, which means instead of all my workouts on the week consistently going up in intensity, I might have a heavy day on a Monday, a moderate intensity day on a Wednesday, and a low intensity on a Friday, just to put it into perspective. What this allows for is it allows me to go balls hard at the beginning of the week and be able to get some sort of adaptation, say for instance, strength, but then on the moderate and low intensity days, it allows me to maybe focus on higher volume exercises or higher volume areas if I have certain hypertrophy goals, but also allowing my intensity to be lower so that I can appropriately 
recover from that higher intensity day. So you, you still get the adaptation that you're going for, but you're also not, you know, running the risk of breaking yourself. Yes. Um, you know, to, to give an example uh, of one of the things I do, like I do a lot of cycling right now uh, because I have a Peloton. Um, so I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm just jamming on it. I mean, of course, I have my resistance training, which is about uh four or five days a week right now. Um, but I do a lot of cycling. So I'll have some days that are high intensity interval training. It might be, hell, I've done a couple 45 minute sessions of, you know, high intensity interval training with some Tabata thrown in there. And then I might have like another day where it's a 20 to 30 or even 45 minutes of just nice steady pace. Mm -hmm. Right? it's not balls out every single day. You could try that, but you're, you're eventually going to break. Uh, you have to be able to recover. If you don't recover, I mean, if you think about what we're doing in exercise and lifting things or, or running or sprinting or, you know, whatever your modality is, we're, we're damaging tissues. And if we damage these tissues, we need to be able to repair them. And if we don't repair them, we just keep damaging tissues. It's like taking a sledgehammer and start beating the hell out of the wall. But if you never repair the wall, the wall is eventually going to fall. Yep. Uh, and especially when it comes to lifting heavy weights. Uh, a lot of people don't understand. It can go the opposite direction too. Not only can you do too little, you can do too much. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people don't understand, especially if you're in the higher realms of powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting. If Absolutely. you're not keeping track of how heavy you're lifting throughout the week and you continue to go balls hard, not only is that going to impede your performance on your subsequent workouts that come after that heavy workday, but you have a much higher chance of injuring yourself, uh, especially driving yourself into overfatigue and pushing yourself into the overreaching phases much faster than you want to. It should all be gauged very slowly so that you can gauge when to effectively use something like overreaching. Mm -hmm. Just to quickly give you a little, just a definition of what overreaching is. Overreaching is basically pushing your ass to your point to, the, to like the, almost to the point of an overturn. It's like right, you're flirting with that line, all right? And this is usually used uh, by powerlifting coaches or Olympic weightlifting coaches to peak their athletes before mm -hmm. they go on to uh, performances or go off to meets or wherever they're going to do their actual um goal-winning lift or whatever there is that they're trying to do. Uh, and they can use this effectively with recovery strategies to recover enough to be able to supercompensate, which allows them to get over their peak by recovering and then allowing them to perform at their best when they step on stage. This can also be used effectively for someone who's not competing in a very brilliant way when you're transitioning between phases in your program. Um, but if you're not careful and if you're not tracking that shit before you get there and you get there too fast, you could potentially negatively influence your performance during the program ruin your program, then you have to taper back your training just to get back on track again. I accidentally did that when I was training with Coach Robert a long mm -hmm. time ago, where he had programmed my training to have heavy squats and then deadlifts on one day. Um, and then he programmed lighter deadlifts for me later on in the week on my moderate day. But because I was feeling so good and because uh -oh. he was tapering back my training, and there was some extrinsic motive motivators in the gym that day. Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to throw on extra 45s on each side. I can get this. This is no big deal. Mm -hmm. I went ahead and did that. And I've only maybe only got one or two reps. But because of my ego, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Screwed up the rest of my list for the for the rest of the week and the, and the week after. So he had to tail me back because I couldn't get my target weights for the next week. An I did extra that. an extra ninety pounds is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Out of I don't know what you were lifting, but let's just say what let's just say that's four fifteen, four or five, so four fifteen. Okay, perfect. So yeah, you're looking at you know just shy of, of a quarter percent, uh, a quarter percent, <laughs> quarter quarter um of your one RM there that you yep. added. Yeah. Um, 
And let, let, let's just talk about the physiology the of your central nervous system. <laughs> Don't screw with your central nervous system. It is no joke. You need time. You need anywhere from 24 to 72 hours for your central nervous system to it, fully recover if, after high intensity work. If anyone in here has ever done like, uh, you know, one RMs or like really heavy lifting day and you notice maybe the next day you're just lethargic as hell. Tanked. You're tanked. And that, that's because you... You you've depleted your, your CNS, your central <laughs> nervous system. So you're not able to, you're, well, you're not on top of your game. No, you can do the same thing with high-intensity interval training. Absolutely. Which a lot of people don't understand either. Oh, I can do HIT all the time. No. No, you can't. No. But I do Orange Theory four days a week. Uh, yeah. How many okay. splat points you got, bro? You're not, <laughs> you're not going high, clinically high intensity for those sessions. You might be doing moderately high intensity yeah, if you're uh, doing Orange Theory all the time. You're doing more of a, more than a leisurely walk, of course. Um, but, you know, cl clinical high intensity, what, 96% of your, of your heart rate max? 90% of your heart rate max for okay. the entire time of the interval. Uh, see, I always thought it was 90 of heart rate reserve and 96 really? heart rate. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is not. I don't know. Heart rate For some reason, that table in either way, it sucks. It's a lot. <laughs> Why the fuck are we arguing over six percent? And, and if you look at if you look at the research studies on what protocols they use for that, it's four by four or ten by one. Which means oh. four by four means four minutes of rest and four minutes of balls hard. That is so hard to do. Mm -hmm. And then ten by one is. You know, that, that's easy. You go balls hard for a minute, and then you take a minute off. Balls hard for a minute, but but you don't. You have to be... I wouldn't say it's easy, though. No, it's not no. easy. You, you have to be at 90%. And if you do clinical uh, research like this, they force you to get up there. Yeah. It's, you, well, like, for, like in CrossFit, right? I mean, you have the, those wads where you have four minutes on, maybe a minute off or something like that. And, and in theory, you're supposed to be... Keep, busting your ass. Yeah. I don't know if they say make sure you get clinical, but uh, clinical high intensity, but... You know, some people do. Um, that's that's not that's not necessarily uh, easy to do. But yeah. you also have those who just kind of wade their way through it. Yeah. So imagine if you are a CrossFitter and you know you you do those wads. I know I know who you are. Um, I've seen you guys in the, in the CrossFit gym because I did train at a CrossFit gym for a little bit. And um, yeah, we're just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna do a couple clean jerks. Coach is looking the other way. Uh, yeah, that's not the same thing. No, if you're um, doing a clinical research trial, your ass is gonna be on a wing bite. <laughs> And the coach or a research administrator is going to be forcing you to go balls hard for whatever interval you are. Pedal fast, right? And you hard. will throw up. Like, it is difficult. Real, real high-intensity training is really hard. Really, really hard to achieve. And it should it not hurts. be done all the time. No. Two to three times um, a week for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Whew. Getting worked out. I, I got, I've got a hard one later on today, so I'm just, just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. so just to recap that quickly. For recovery purposes, programming is very, very important. Absolutely. Um, and so when it, and when it comes it, to – go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, I was going to say, and I just want to just real quick make – we're not talking about just recovery in between sets necessarily. I mean, that does play a role as far as adaptation, but we're talking about taking a day off, taking two days off, or, or, or not having your high intensity the next day or so on and so forth. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. Um, it's it's really important to program not only to ensure your progress but to ensure proper recovery as well because what a lot of people don't understand is that uh, fatigue is how do I put this is chronic you have acute fatigue but you also have chronic fatigue and it builds up yeah, over time it's compounding you're you're it's like it's exactly it's like interest it doesn't go away there we go. Um, you accumulate fatigue 
over time and it'll get to a point to where it will break your ass down if you do not take extended periods of time off. It's like running. Um, You know, a lot of runners see these overuse injuries as they're stated. And that's basically because they're running consistently and they keep running. It's like 12 mile run, 12 mile run, 12 mile run. And eventually shit starts breaking, right? A lot of times you get, you know, knee issues. um, You got what TFL issues. What else we get Mm -hmm. with runners? I mean, all sorts of potential, you know, even, you know, if it is your career, career ending injuries that could potentially happen just because you didn't properly program. I know runners and I'm not going to mention who and how they, how I know them, uh, at least not, not on this, not on the recording, uh, that would have to sit out of particular runs like a half marathon because that person did not program correctly. They're just like, Oh, I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run. I'll be fine. I'll just run. This is what I've always done. Well, guess what? You're getting older. You're going to have to really start worrying about recovery, which age plays a huge role in that as well. Yep. And I know we keep talking about the higher intensity activities like the the power lifting and the Olympic lifting, but it applies to bodybuilding too. Oh, it, yeah. If you're not programming volume correctly for bodybuilding style training, when your goals are hypertrophy driven to where you want to build muscle mass, if you're not keeping track of the total volume per exercise or per muscle group, you're also doing yourself a disservice Absolutely. because you may – one of two things again. A, you might not be applying enough volume for a specific body part, which actually might need more volume than others. And you might not be stimulating it in the correct intensity range for hypertrophy mm-hmm. as well. So I know I've heard people say, well, you can build muscle in any intensity range. And that is true. Research yeah. has shown us that you can build muscle, whether it's in the hypertrophy intensity range, hypertrophy range itself, or strength training. But if you still don't know or cannot or not calculating where your weights are for hypertrophy, you're going to do yourself a disservice and you're going to be spinning your wheels. And you also have to look at gender differences. Women can respond better to higher volumes for lower body exercises mm-hmm. than males can. They have whatever gender difference that they got over us uh, that they're able to do so. And so if you're not also tracking those differences between the uh, between each other, you're going to be doing a disservice. And everyone's different as well. You have to train for the person. Which my genetics... A, I hate that I hate that term, but it's absolutely true. Yeah, my genetics um, are different from Kyle's, exactly. are different from his wife's, are different from my girlfriend's, different from whoever it is that you're training, your clients, whether you're training someone in special populations, everyone responds differently to different styles of training. The absolutely. whole importance of programming is to isolate what's going to work best for another individual. Yeah, uh, Hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. I mean, it's it's why training and coaching exists. You know, the, the world of personal training or, or coaching or whatever, whatever realm of uh, that that fitness or tier of that fitness um, industry you want to identify with. Uh, that's what it what it comes down to is helping that individual where they are and getting them to where they want to be. Because going back to the GPS analogy, uh, if we're going to meet at the same Walmart, but we're leaving from our houses, we live at different places. Your directions are different than mine. Yep. Um, or if you want to go to a different Walmart and I want to go to a different Walmart, right? Which like, let's say you're competing in a different class than, mm-hmm. than I am. Um, you know, we're going similar places, but it's not the same. And the way we get there is completely different. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that that's the ahead. beauty of strength training. That's it the is. beauty of fitness. Programming is supposed to be fun. Like it, it is, it is a lot of fun and awesome, but people become discouraged by when they say, Oh, I got to sit down to do work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no shit. Anything that takes, yeah, anything that you want that requires effort requires you to sit down and do work and, and plan it out and put some effort out. into it. Um, go ahead. Um, you know, while you were talking, uh, something about recovery came into to mind. Oh, um, I can share an example of when I did not uh, decrease my intensity appropriately when I was preparing for my uh, for a bodybuilding show. 
I tore my brachioradialis, which is a small. It's a smaller muscle in in your biceps. Um, it's enough to piss you off. Yeah, it's enough. I couldn't even turn the door handle. Like it was that bad. It it sucked. And that's I. <laughs> I could hear, like I had my headphones on and like I could hear the tearing of the tissues. And you know what? All I did, it's not like I was just like ripping my, my face off with biceps curls or anything crazy. I went to pick up a fucking dumbbell and it goes, <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, and then it just started bruising. I'm like, holy shit. I, I just, I couldn't do anything. Um, yeah, right, right about eight, maybe six, eight weeks before the, the show, which is definitely not the appropriate time to get an injury oh, like that. God. Still competed, but um you got fifth, eh, whatever. Uh, but but the <laughs> it happens to 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 a lot of people, and it the the risk is definitely real. Um, you know, you can tear muscles. Uh, you know, and I think we're going to have more episodes on like individual aspects of working out, like such as uh, such as warm ups. I've got a good one. When I didn't warm up, I've got a lot of dumb things that I apparently did. Um, but <laughs> I've got an example of when I didn't warm up properly, and, and what happened to me there, and. Uh, yeah. So back to you, <laughs> my little tangent. <laughs> so let's talk about just the basics of programming then, because I, I bet you a lot of you are out there now. Okay, well, you guys are saying it's important. How the hell do we do it? Um, and then after we do that, we'll, we'll get into what might happen after you do the same thing for a long time. Um, so a very basic way to do any type of program is to sit down, write yourself out the acute training variables, intensity, volume, modality you want to use, how long your respirators are, and how you're going to progress and then outline what your goals are. Go ahead. Could I uh, put something to, to, to start with even before that? Um, what we call a needs analysis. There you go. Figure out what what do you want to do? Do you want to be a bodybuilder? Do you want to do powerlifting? Blah, blah, blah. What does that require? Where are you at? And then you start programming on how you get there. Yeah. Right. And of course, there, there are some more detailed steps in there. You know, there's the, you know, common injuries. Do you have injuries? Do you have any medical ailments? You know, I have to take all of that into consideration. But, you know, you have to figure out where do you want to go? Where are you at? And how do you get from point A to point B? And the, in the, you know, back to the GPS uh, analogy, we're just going to beat the hell out of that today. Um, you know, plugging, plugging the address into the Jeep. You'll fuck it. Who cares? You write your fucking program. Um, it was falling apart. I abandoned it. Whatever. Get to where you want to go. Yep. Um, and so, <laughs> and then just start simple. Pick whatever exercises are going to work. Let's let's start with with strength training or bodybuilding because that's the easiest one to give you basic examples. I like to use this analogy again, and I've probably said it in episodes before. The kiss principle. Keep it simple. Stupid. Holy. Yeah, because here's another problem I see when people first sit down and make their program, they make it way out of control. Too many exercises, too I've many sets, that. too many reps, and they and they they try to work out each body part in, Shit, in like an a crazy amount of ways, or they or they try to hit. Well, I'm gonna hit my ass, my glutes three times a week here, and then I want to do squats here, 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 and here, and I'm gonna do four sets here, and then I'm gonna do strength training here. Mm -hmm. No, the more you try to do the less progress you're going to make. Once again, specific adaptation to impose demands. And Keep it simple. Go and, ahead, Kyle. And that, that might sound like, oh, yeah, that, that's easy to do. But sometimes it is hard because, you know, I know whenever I'm writing my program for myself, I'm like, all right, this is, I definitely, this is what I'm trying to do, yada, yada, yada. I want to have these in here. I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. Let's look at this over here. I want this in here. Oh, shit. How about this over here? It's just, you know, you just throw everything in and you're like, 
there's no fucking way I'm going to do all this shit. No, yeah. <laughs> Keep it simple. And then as time goes on, maybe make modifications, figure out where you yeah, can add something. Make adjustments. And that, that's that's part of the whole progression aspect. You know, once you reach, you know, you're going to eventually adapt to whatever stimulus you're, you're putting uh, on your body. And eventually you're going to have to change some things. And sometimes that's just changing load and, and intensities or, or, or rest periods and things like that. Uh, but it's also changing exercises. Um, you know, maybe this four weeks I'm going to be working on deadlift strength, but I'm going to have maybe some squat in there and some bench press. And then, uh, you know, the next four weeks, maybe I'm working on squat strength or, yep. or whatever it may be. That's perfect. Um, because that's another flaw that uh, flaw in a lot of, especially if you look at our students who are trying to be personal trainers, one of the biggest flaws I see is they try to change shit way too soon. Yes. They try to go the opposite way and they it, say, I'm going to do a set of exercises week one and they completely change the exercises week two. No. Don't do that. Don't. You have Way no idea how, that's how your body's going to respond to that. It's like your diet. It's like, oh, I didn't lose 15 pounds in, in three days. So like, I'm going to throw this diet out the window. I'm going to try something new. You don't You do not do that. You have to continuously do something. And that's why I criticize new trainers I see in basic gyms who are doing random shit to their clients every mm -hmm. time I turn around. That is not effective. That's exercise, not training with a purpose. Uh, and so that's I would rather see personal trainers take their clients through a basic set of four exercises with compound lifts and maybe an isolation or two. And then I'd rather see them do that over and over again. Yeah. Monday, Wednesday, Friday for four weeks. I would guarantee you that I would see progress. Oh, yeah. They would build muscle and they would lose weight. Absolutely. Not these, oh, we're going to go do 30 seconds of rope swings, 800 burpees. You're going to do <laughs> a plank with one arm and one leg up holding a dumbbell on your ass cheek. And we're going to flip the way you do it tomorrow. We're going to do it a completely different way. You heard me. Uh <laughs> You got to balance it on your ass cheek? Which I, one? Like I after right? Because I feel like my right one has better control. I was being colorful. Uh, but but that's that's the shit that happens. Keep things simple. I, I can tell you the greatest lesson I learned, and even though we don't you know hang out anymore or get along as well as we used to with my old coach, uh, I actually learned that from him. By, by starting starting strength, I was able to see I only did squat, bench press, overhead press, and deadlift. And That's it. Works. it. And I and and chin ups. Okay. I maybe did a hammer curl once or twice in a while. <laughs> all right. But that was it. Those are my curls don't help. Those are my, <laughs> those actually my biceps got bigger from doing chin ups. Um, but but Boy. that was those were my five main lifts. I did that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for a year, mm -hmm. and I made more progress, more changes to my physique than I did when I was fucking around you know, doing uh, bodybuilding training. That that's very like uh, I, I should say unorganized bodybuilding. Training. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and you know that that's basically what I've got going on. I've got my cycling. I've got my I have my Olympic lifts. That I like because I like to do Olympic lifts, not because I'm trying to compete. And then I've got uh, you know my my basic what I call I just label them daily exercise. I don't do them every day. I just call them daily exercises, which is you know hip thrusts. I've got squats in there. Um, you know I'm doing biceps curls and you know a couple other things, but like it's real basic, and I'm just doing it consistently. And this is why we really need to, when we get a chance, when, you know, the world isn't up in flames, we start the, we, <laughs> we, we really need to start a blog because I'd like to provide some examples for anyone who's listening. Um, because, you know, yes, we can paint a visual picture via audio. And I think we're, we're moderately okay at that. Um, but if I could show you images or show you examples, or we can show you these things, like it, it would, probably click a little bit better. Yeah. So just to highlight one good example, because I know it's it's simple and it's easy. We teach our students all the time. It's the NASM OPT model. is one of the most basic ways for someone to learn programming because they actually outline step by step, okay, you're going to focus on 
this for four weeks, such as balance. And then you're going to focus on stabilization and endurance. And for this four is weeks. what your, your acute variables are. This is yep. uh, how you do it. And, and it's very basic. And it, it shows you how you progress from phase to phase. And each phase lasts approximately four weeks. Remember, the phases don't have to last only four no. weeks. So I usually tell people start with something and run with it for anywhere from it, four to eight weeks. And if you continue to make progress, keep going. Don't stop. Sure, yeah, why keep not? Keep fucking milk the shit out of whatever you can. Milk it. At the beginning. And then when when you start to see plateaus, that's when you change focuses. Change exactly. the exercises. Change up the modalities. And, you know, with the there's a lot of different certifications out there. And I think we, we're probably familiar with all the main ones. Um, I, I will say this as far as what NASM does very, very well, which is the programming part uh, for the new trainer, for that new professional. It's like, holy shit. You look at things like from NSCA or ACSM and don't get me wrong. I, I love those organizations and I have certifications through those organizations. Um, but sometimes if you're brand new to the field and you're looking at that stuff, and you're like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this fucking number? Like, you know, like <laughs> how do I plug this in or how do I make this uh, you know, applicable to my situation where NASM, they have a nice little template. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good organization, especially for that, that aspect. Yeah. So just to sum things up a little bit, just even though it's hard to illustrate how to exactly do programming, we could, Kyle and I could spend hours here trying to explain to you how to set up the perfect program. We urge you to look into resources from NASM. We urge you to look into responsible resources on YouTube, such as Renaissance Periodization. Look into Dr. Mike Isratel. He's got a lot of good explanation of this. Dr. Mike Zordos. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Eric Helms has good uh, content uh, on programming. Eric Cressy. Eric Cressy. Uh, Jeff Nippard actually does yep. a good fundamental series on his YouTube channel going through uh, talking about programming. Learn from these individuals who will discuss step-by-step step how to set up a proper program. And remember, less is more. Until you get more mm -hmm. advanced and start to get more experience with how to fine tailor things for powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, and bodybuilding. Exactly. So if you're not, if you're not tracking your weights and taking a pen with a composition book or putting the weights and reps into a phone app, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're not doing that, you're doing yourself a major disservice. And you're not going to put, be put on track to making real progress that what you could make. I agree. So what, what, is, my, what is that famous quote? Um, uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. So if you're half-assing your programming or whatever you're doing in the gym, then I got to say you're – You're probably half-assing a lot. You're probably half-assing a lot more. You're probably half-assing the way that you structure your nutrition and tracking your macronutrients. You're probably half-assing your approach to every day, having a nighttime or a morning routine, and you're probably even lacking progression with whatever you're doing at your job. Right? And you're probably bouncing that dumbbell on half your ass. Yep. You're probably <laughs> cheating on those reps. Okay. <laughs> um, any final any final notes here, Carl? No, I, I think that's the, that, that sums up. We're going to have more episodes on this – different attributes of training and things like that uh, you know this is kind of nice little introduction to programming and why it's important in, in some basic uh, you know terminology and things that you've probably may maybe even heard or uh, before this or that we yeah definitely look forward to future about. episodes where we talk about each training variable individually and oh, even yeah. get into specific arenas of sport including hypertrophy training olympic weightlifting I'm crossfit stoked. so on and so forth all right thanks for listening y'all all right guys